G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Welcome to On The Rock, God's unchanging word for changing times with Dr. Camille Majdali, Director of Teach All Nations, Melbourne, Australia. Dr. Camille lived and studied in the Middle East, served as a principal of a leading Bible college and now travels the world teaching God's word. He has an extraordinary knowledge of the Bible and a dynamic ability to make God's truth come alive in a real, practical way. This episode of On The Rock will give you keys to survive and succeed in the days ahead by hearing and doing the words of Jesus. Can you imagine the Apostle Paul with the anointing, the revelation, the inspiration and the insight he had opening his heart and telling all? Well, we're beginning a brand new series. It's called Heartfelt and Inspired, Understanding 2 Corinthians. Stay tuned. Recently, I was at a conference, and the speaker was apparently a high-profile minister. And I wondered why he was so attractive to people, and he would write best-selling books. Well, I began to understand as I listened to him. What this man did, he was incredibly authentic and incredibly heartfelt. He told his story, warts and all. He hid back nothing. He told of the good, the bad, the ugly. It was almost as if, pardon the expression, he was pouring his guts out before the world. There may have been a time, in fact, I'm sure there was, where such transparency would have been frowned upon. You know, like, what's the matter with this guy? Why is he so emotional? Why is he telling all his personal feelings? But today, it's different. Part of the reason we could say postmodernism. And postmodernism is more subjective, it's more intuitive, well, perhaps even more heartfelt. And of course, it can be in postmodernism more passionate. I found that passion is in fashion. When people have emotion and are excited or sad about something and they share it, it seems to resonate. And especially when people are open about their own struggles. Let's Again, talk about high-profile people. There was a time they would try to cover up the struggles, the imperfections, the mistakes, indeed even the sins. But now, it's actually fashionable to share these things, especially if you're deemed successful, but you're willing to share your struggles. For some reason, that appeals to the average person, and they can say, well, look, this person has succeeded, but they're just like me. They've had their upsets, they've had their failures, they've had their frustrations, but they've made it. Maybe I can too. Well, I share all this because we're about to start a study, verse by verse, part of the Understanding the Bible series, and it's called Heartfelt and Inspired, Understanding 2 Corinthians. And in it, you're going to see the Apostle Paul, who's author of half of the New Testament, in a way that we don't normally see him. Well, sometimes we see him elsewhere this way, but oftentimes not. What we're going to see here is an extremely personal, at times painful letter, but 
even in the midst of it, there is sound doctrine and principles of Christian living we would do well to apply. 2 Corinthians, obviously, is the successor of 1 Corinthians. And with all this, 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians form a very important part of the New Testament. And so, as our commitment to helping people learn the Word of God, verse by verse, and where applicable, how to put it into practice in one's life, we happily and proudly introduce to you heartfelt and inspired understanding 2 Corinthians. What we're doing in this lesson, the very first lesson, is having, or at least beginning, the introduction. Normally, the introduction to a Bible book will take more than one lesson. It'll take two or perhaps three. We'll see how we go. But what I want to do is take you back into the world of Paul and what caused him to write this letter in the first place, the second surviving letter that he sent to the Corinthian Christians. What we have is Paul, of course, on missionary journeys, not one, but several. And what we know about the missionary journeys, of course, for the most part is recorded in scripture, but also what remains from writings of church fathers. Those are our two main sources, the scriptures and church fathers. Now, remember that the background of the Corinthian church was it was in my estimation very special in part because of the location Corinth was a crossroads it was a crossroads east west north and south it was part of an isthmus and an isthmus is where the land narrows somewhat Panama the nation of Central America is basically an isthmus. To the south of Panama, of course, is the great continent of South America, and to the north is North America. But Panama is so narrow that they built a canal to link the Pacific Ocean to the Caribbean and Atlantic Ocean, thus sparing ships the journey all around South America. Well, Corinth was like that too. And Corinth connected the Greek mainland to the north with the Peloponnesian Peninsula to the south. Corinth had not one, but two harbors. And being a crossroads, it also was a wealthy city, a highly cultured city, a very hedonistic city, live for now, party all the time, and yet, paradoxically, a religious city. And I don't mean Christian religious, I'm talking about the Greek gods and goddesses and so on. And it was in this milieu that Paul planted a church at Corinth, a viable church, a growing church, but a church that had massive problems with immaturity. They loved the spiritual gifts, as described in 1 Corinthians 12, and they loved to exercise those gifts, but oftentimes in a disorderly manner. They were also schismatic, meaning they were factionalized, they had different cliques within the church, and in addition to all that, they tolerated immorality in their midst, as we read in 1 Corinthians 5. So, as we learn, Paul sent a letter, 1 Corinthians. Basically, he was practicing, as it were, church discipline long distance. He was trying to correct the church from afar. The title for our series that we had on 1 Corinthians was From Carnal to Spiritual. And Basically, Paul sent the letter, and then he held his breath to see what kind of response he would get. As it turned out, most of the Corinthians did recognize their error, and they repented, to his great relief. 
but there was a small faction that was defiant. And we would call these the Judaizers. And please don't misunderstand the term. It's not meant to be in any way anti-Semitic. What it's actually talking about are a group of people, false teachers, who basically were saying you had to adopt the practices of Judaism, the religious practices, a lot of them were from tradition. And in order to be saved, you must keep these practices. And we're talking about Gentiles who didn't even know about normative biblical Judaism, let alone all the traditions that came down the track. We don't believe you have to keep any religious rituals, whether they're Jewish flavored, Hellenistic flavored, or even old Christian flavored. You need to be a person who accepts the grace of God by faith, and that by accepting the grace of God by faith, God gives you the new birth, forgiveness of sins, and the gift of eternal life. That's our belief. It's not so much being religious. It's being transformed spiritually by the new birth, born of the Spirit, baptized in the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, walking in the Spirit. Yes, the Christian life is truly a spiritual life, not a religious rules and regulation life. So Paul was relieved, and as such, he writes Second Corinthians. What you're going to see is that Paul is going to be a little more personal, emotional, and even defensive. He's going to go out of his way in a manner that we haven't seen anywhere else in the New Testament to vindicate his ministry, basically to defend it to explain it, and to hopefully silence his carnal critics. So that is the background of 2 Corinthians, obviously the follow-up of 1 Corinthians, and in it, we're going to see things in a whole new light. All right, let's take a look. First of all, let's read a wonderful passage from 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 19. We will read this one again because it's good, but let's take a look. 2 Corinthians 5, 17-19. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. That's Second Corinthians five, seventeen to nineteen. Just that passage alone is a classic, and we'll of course deal with it down the track as we get to chapter five of this series. So let's take a look here. What do we know? Introduction to Second Corinthians. First of all, its original name in the Greek is pros. Corinthios Beta. Let me say it again. Pros, P-R-O-S, Corinthios Beta, B-E-T-A. Beta, of course, is the second letter of the Greek alphabet. So basically, it's according to the Corinthians, and it's Beta, meaning it's the second of the two epistles that we find in the New Testament. Of course, the author is Paul, and there appears to be no serious challenge of Paul's authorship of this great epistle. Frankly, there is never really a great challenge. I mean, some people will put up a challenge proposing 
supposedly intellectual and scholarly arguments why certain people credited for writing books of the Bible didn't really write them. But in this case, we have no such issue. And then what is the theme? The theme of 2 Corinthians. Well, we can use it several ways, but I would take our title, Heartfelt and Inspired. Here, Paul, like the high-profile popular speakers of today, is opening up his heart and sharing it with the Corinthians, indeed, with the whole world. So it's heartfelt, it's personal, it's emotional, and it's, in some ways, defensive. Paul seeks to vindicate his ministry, the gospel of Christ, and his apostleship. That's how this epistle begins. In fact, that's pretty much what it is. And I remember Charles Swindoll did a study of 2 Corinthians, and I still recall the title, A Minister Everyone Can Respect. I suppose that's another wonderful way to describe 2 Corinthians, a minister that everyone can respect. And let me say that to be in the ministry and to fulfill it with integrity is not just respectable, it's honorable. I know in Australia there's a little bit of, shall we say, disdain, discomfort, or what have you, distance with people in ministry. I know personally, sometimes I'll be on a plane or somehow dealing with a perfect stranger, and they'll ask me, what do I do for a living? And when I tell them that I'm a minister, I'm a pastor, I'm a Bible teacher, they oftentimes get very quiet, and if possible, they'll try to change the subject. Despite all that, I can also say that if a minister fulfills their ministry, and they do so honorably, with integrity, even in Australia, with its liking of Jesus, but disliking of the church, they will respect. That has certainly been my experience, and I have years in the country to validate that. So yes, even in a cynical, suspicious, uncomfortable, carnal environment, when people are living the gospel message, it does bring respect. Even if it doesn't bring conversion, it brings respect. So Paul is one of those ministers, and I would say whether you're in full-time ministry or you're serving the Lord from where you're at, in the home, in the school, in the marketplace, it's important that you become a person that everyone respects. If you live the message and walk the walk, not just talk the talk, you too will be a person people will respect. No doubt, we'll learn more about this as we go along. So, the portrait of Christ in 2 Corinthians. I think that's very simple. In the very first chapter, verses 3 and 4, God is described as the God of all comfort. He comforts us in our afflictions so that we can, in turn, go and comfort others who are being afflicted with the same comfort we received straight from God out of heaven. He is the God of all comfort. Now, it's interesting because that's the phrase used of the Holy Spirit that Jesus employs in the Gospel of John. He is called the Comforter, or in Greek, the Paraclete, the Advocate, the one that comes alongside to speak on our behalf and to defend us. Here, we learn that God is always there for us, especially in our times of affliction. He's not just with us in the good times. He's with us at all times, and his 
comforting presence makes a massive difference. We've learned in Scripture more than once, especially like in the 23rd Psalm, the Good Shepherd Psalm, that if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you, O Lord, the Good Shepherd, are with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. The presence of God brings comfort to the people who enjoy such presence. And the good thing, friend, no matter who you are, you can have the presence of God. You say, well, look, I'm too worldly. I'm too sinful. I'm too selfish to have the presence of God. Well, God is so good. The main thing is this. You may be all those things and more, carnal, selfish, and sinful. But the scripture also tells us in James 4 verse 8, with some conditions, mind you, that if you come come close to God, God will come close to you. Now, there is repentance involved, there's changing the ways, but if you really want God more than your carnality and sinfulness and selfishness, you can have him. He is available. It doesn't matter what you've done in life. There is no hole that you have dug or that you have fallen into that God is not deeper. And the amazing thing is God is love. 2 John 4, 8. And because God is love, there's nothing you can do to make God stop loving you, and there's nothing you can do to make God love you more. He can't love you anymore because he's loving you to the max. He loves you, and he cares, and he has plans for you. And if you will turn from the ways of the world to the way of God, you can enjoy all the good things God has. And I'm telling you, and don't just take my word for it, ask others, people who have lived the full, carnal, self-indulgent, worldly life and have then repented, believed, and been born again and are living now the full Christian life. If you ask them which is better, they would probably laugh and say, of course, the Christian way is far better than the sin-loving, hedonistic life that I once lived. I have never seen anyone say otherwise who has, of course, gone from great darkness into God's great light. There's so much more we're going to learn about 2 Corinthians, and we haven't even finished the introduction. So I look forward to your company. But before we pray, remember to visit us at our Facebook page, Teach All Nations Education, and thank you for liking our page. You can also, of course, get our free monthly Issachar teaching e-letter with articles on the Bible, Christian living, and current events in the light of God's Word. You can sign up on our homepage. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for 2 Corinthians. We are new creations in Christ. The old has passed away and the new has come. Help us, Lord, now in Jesus' name to have our hearts open wide as well as our minds to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying through 2 Corinthians. For this we praise you in Christ the Lord. Amen. Today's On The Rock was brought to you by Teach All Nations. If you would like more information about this ministry, to download podcasts, view our online store, attend special events, sign up for our teaching newsletter, make a donation to support this ministry, or to invite Dr. Camille to speak, log on to www.tan.org.au or write to us at Post Office Box 493, Mount Waverley 3149. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.